dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books right here in the live studios in Hives, Kent, Southeast England, just in the view of the English Channel. We're here on a very nice day weather-wise, and uh, we hope you were all safe and, and, and well and happy, uh, especially as we go through this wonderful Krishna book Srila Prabhupada gifted us. Srila Sanatana Goswami's glorification of the Srimad Bhagavatam is summum bonum of all Vedic literatures. Um, Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram goes like this Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarvalokaikadrikprada, O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kalidvandutitaditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita, O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees. O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Premavarshakshadayate Sarvadasavasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume I bow down to you who were supremely blissful to read your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madeka bando matsangin, madguro mad mahadana, manisadaga mad bhagya, mad anandana mostrate. My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadhu sadhuta dayin atini chuchata kada hanamun mam premna vitkanta yospura O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya All right. We reached chapter 50. More than halfway through the Bhagavad Canto already. Amazing. Krishna erects the Dwarka fort. <clears throat> Upon Kanksa's death, his two wives became widows. According to Vedic civilization, a woman is never independent. She has three stages of life. In childhood, a woman should live, live under the protection of her father 
A youthful woman should live under the protection of her young husband. And in the event of the death of her husband, she should live under the protection of her grown-up sons. Or if she has no grown-up sons, she must go back to her father and live as a widow under his protection. It appears that Kangsa had no grown-up sons. Therefore, after his wives became widows, they returned to the shelter of their father. Kangsa had two queens, Asti and Prapti, and both happened to be the daughters of King Jarasandha, the lord of the Bihar province, known in those days as Magadha. After reaching home, the two queens explained their awkward position following Kangsa's death. The king of Magadha, Jarasandha, was mortified upon hearing of the pitiable condition of his daughters. When informed of the death of Kangsa, Jarasandha decided on the spot that he would rid the world of all the members of the Yadu dynasty. He decided that since Krishna had killed Kangsa, the whole dynasty of the Yadus should be killed. He began to make extensive arrangements to attack the kingdom of Mathura with his innumerable military phalanxes consisting of many thousands of chariots, horses, elephants and infantry soldiers. Jarasandha prepared 13 such military phalanxes to retaliate the death of Kangsa. Taking with him all his military strength, he attacked the capital of the Yadu kings, Mathura, surrounding it from all directions. Sri Krishna, who appeared like an ordinary human being, saw the immense strength of Drasanda, which appeared like an ocean about to cover a beach at every moment at any moment. He also perceived that the inhabitants of Mathura were overwhelmed with fear. And how to attack, he began to think within himself about his mission as an incarnation and how to tackle the present situation before him. He thought that since <clears throat> he thought that it, since he was not going to conquer the kingdom of Magadha, to kill the king of Magadha named Jarasandha was useless. His mission was to diminish the overburdening population of the whole world. Therefore, he took the opportunity to face so many men, chariots, elephants, and horses. The military strength of Jarasandha was had, <clears throat> the military strength of Jarasandha had appeared before him, and he decided to kill the entire force of Jarasandha so that he would go back and re reorganize his military strength. <laughs> Only Krishna could think like that. <clears throat> While Lord Krishna was thinking in that way, two beautiful chariots, fully equipped with drivers, weapons, flags, and other paraphernalia, arrived for him from outer space. <laughs> you don't want to mess with Krishna. No, not a good idea. Krishna saw the two chariots 
present before him and immediately addressed his elder brother, Balarama, who was also known as Sankarsana. My dear elder brother, best among the Aryans, you are the Lord of the universe, and specifically, you are the protector of the Yadu dynasty. The members of the Yadu dynasty sent great danger before the soldiers of Jarasandha, and they are very much aggrieved. Just to give them protection, your chariot is also here, filled with weapons. I request you to sit on your chariot and kill all these soldiers, <laughs> the entire military strength of the enemy. The two of us have descended to this earth just to annihilate such unnecessary bellicose forces and give protection to the pious devotees. So we have the opportunity to fulfill our mission. Please, let us execute it. Thus, <clears throat> Krishna and Balarama, the descendants of Dashara, decided to annihilate the 13 military companies of Jarasandha. After equipping themselves with military dress, Krishna and Balarama mounted their chariots. Krishna rode the chariot of which Daruka, Daruka was the driver. With a small army, they came out of the city of Mathura, blowing their respective conch shells. Curiously enough, although the other party was equipped with greater military strength, when they heard the vibration of Krishna's conch shell, their hearts were shaken. When Jarasandha saw Balarama and Krishna, he was a little bit compassionate because they happened to be related to him as grandsons. He specifically addressed Krishna as Purushadhamma, meaning the lowest among men. Actually, Krishna is known in all the Vedic scriptures as Purushottama. But great scholars have determined the true meaning of the word Purushadama, to be one who makes all other personalities go downward. Actually, no one can be equal to or greater than the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Jarasandha said, It will be a great dishonor for me to fight with boys like Krishna and Balarama. Because Krishna had killed Kangsa, Jarasandha specifically addressed him as the killer of his own relatives. Kangsa had killed many of his own nephews, yet Jarasandha did not take notice. But because Krishna had killed his maternal uncle, Kangsa, Jarasandha tried to criticize him. That is the way of demoniac dealings. Demons do not try to find their own faults or those of their friends, but try to find faults of their enemies. Jurasanda also criticized Krishna for not, not even being a Chatriya. Because he was raised by Maharaj Nanda, Krishna was not a Chatriya, but a Vaishya. Vaishyas are generally called Guptas, and the word Gupta can also be used to mean hidden. So Krishna was both hidden 
and raised by Nanda Maharaj. Jarasandha accused Krishna of three faults, that he killed his own maternal uncle, that he was not even a Kshatriya, and that he was hidden in his childhood. And therefore, Jarasandha felt ashamed to fight with him. Next, he turned toward Balarama and addressed him. You, Balarama, if you like, you can fight along with him. And if you have patience, then you can wait to be killed by my arrows. Thus, you can be promoted to heaven. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that a Chatriya can benefit in either of two ways while fighting. If a Chatriya gains victory in the fight, he enjoys the results of victory. But even if killed, he is promoted to the heavenly kingdom. After hearing Jarasandha speak in that way, Krishna answered, My dear king, Jarasandha, heroes do not talk much. Rather, they show their prowess. Because you are taking because you are talking a great deal, it appears that you are assured of your death in this battle. We do not care to hear you any longer, for it is useless to hear the words of a person who is going to die or of one who is very distressed. To fight with Krishna, <clears throat> Jarasandha surrounded him from all sides with great military strength. As the sun appears covered by cloudy air and dust, Krishna, the Supreme Sun, was covered by the military strength of Jarasandha. Krishna's and Balarama's chariots were marked with pictures of Garuda and palm trees, respectively. The women of Mathura all stood in the tops of the houses, palaces and gates to see the wonderful fight. But when Krishna's chariot was surrounded by Jarasandha's military force and was no longer visible to them, they were so frightened that some of them fainted. Krishna saw himself overwhelmed by the military strength of Jarasandha. His small army of soldiers was being harassed, so he immediately took up his bow named Sharnga. He took his arrows from his, their quiver and one after another he set them on the bowstring and shot them toward the enemy. They were so accurate that the elephants, horses and infantry soldiers of Jarasandha were quickly killed. The incessant arrows shot by Krishna appeared to be like a whirlwind of blazing fire killing all the military strength of Jarasandha. As Krishna released his arrows, all the elephants gradually began to fall, their heads severed by the arrows. Similarly, all the horses fell, their necks severed, and the chariots fell also, along with their flags and the fighters and drivers on the chariots. Almost all the infantry soldiers fell on the field of battle, their heads, hands and legs cut off. In this way, many thousands of elephants, horses and men were killed and their blood flowed just like the waves of a river. In that river, the severed arms of men appeared like snakes 
in their heads like tortoises. Their dead bodies, the dead bodies of the elephants, appeared like small islands, and the dead horses appeared like sharks. By the arrangement of the supreme will, there was a great river of blood filled with paraphernalia. The hands and legs of the infantry soldiers floated just like different kinds of fish. The hair of the soldiers floated like seaweed and moss, and the floating bows of the soldiers resembled waves of the river. And all the jewelry from the bodies of the soldiers and commanders seemed like many pebbles flowing down the river of blood. Lord Balarama, who was also known as Sankarsana, began to fight with his club in such a heroic way that the river of blood created by Krishna overflowed, overflooded. Cowards became very much afraid upon seeing the ghastly and horrible scene, and heroes began to talk delightedly among themselves about the heroism of the two brothers. Although Jirasana was equipped with a vast ocean of military strength, the fighting of Lord Krishna and Balarama converted the whole situation into a ghastly scene far beyond ordinary fighting. Persons of ordinary merit cannot estimate how it could be possible, but when such activities <clears throat> are accepted as pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, under whose will everything is possible, then this can be understood. The Supreme Personality of Godhead creates, maintains, and dissolves the cosmic manifestation merely by His will. For Him to create such a vast scene of devastation while fighting with an enemy is not so wonderful. <clears throat> and yet, because Krishna and Balarama were fighting with Jarasandha, just like ordinary human beings, the affair appeared wonderful. When all the soldiers of Jarasandha had been killed and he was the only one left alive, certainly he was very much depressed. Sri Balarama immediately arrested him and with great strength, as, as, just as one lion captures another. But while, the Lord Balaram, but while Lord Balaram was binding Jarasandha with the rope of Varuna and ordinary ropes also, Lord Krishna, with a greater plan in mind for the future, asked Lord Balaram not to arrest him. Krishna then released Jarasandha. As a great fighting hero, Jarasandha was ashamed, and he decided that he would no longer live as a king but would resign from his position in the royal order and go to the forest to practice meditation under severe penances, austerities and penances. As he was returning home with his royal friends, however, they advised him not to retire, but to regain strength to fight again with Krishna in the near future. The princely friends of Jarasandha instructed him that ordinarily it would not have been possible for him to be defeated 
by the strength of the Yadu kings. The defeat he had experienced was simply due to his ill luck. <laughs> the princely order encouraged King Jarasandha. His fighting, they said, was certainly heroic. Therefore, he should not take his defeat very seriously, since it was due only to his past misdeeds. After all, there was no fault in his fighting. In this way, Jarasandha, the king of Magadha province, having lost all his strength and having been insulted by his arrest and subsequent release, could do nothing but return to his kingdom. Thus, Lord Krishna conquered the soldiers of Jarasandha. Although Krishna's army was tiny in comparison to Jarasandha's, not a pinch of his strength was lost, whereas all of Jarasandha's men were killed. The denizens of heaven were very much pleased, and they offered their respects by chanting in glorification of the Lord and showering him with flowers accepting the victory with great appreciation. Jarasandha returned to his kingdom and Mathura city was saved from the danger of imminent attack. The citizens of Mathura organized the combined services of professional singers like suttas and magadas along with poets who could compose nice songs and they began to chant the victory glorification of Lord Krishna. When Lord Krishna entered the city after the victory, many bugles, conchas, and kettle drums sounded, and the vibrations of various musical instruments <clears throat> like berries, turiyas, veenas, flutes, and mridangas all joined together to make a beautiful reception. While Krishna was entering, the whole city was cleansed. All the different streets and roads were sprinkled with water and the inhabitants, being joyous, decorated their respective houses and shops with flags and festoons. The brahmanas chanted Vedic mantras at numerous places. The people constructed road crossings and gates at entrances to lanes and streets. When Lord Krishna was entering the nicely decorated city of Mathura in a festive attitude, the ladies and girls of Mathura prepared different kinds of flower garlands to make the ceremony most auspicious. In accordance with the Vedic custom, they took yogurt mixed with fresh green grass and strewed it here and there to make the victory jubilation even more auspicious. As Krishna passed through the street, all the ladies and women regarded him with eyes bright with great affection. Krishna and Balarama carried various kinds of ornaments, jewels and other booty carefully collected from the battlefield and presented it all to King Ugrasena. Krishna thus offered his respect to his grandfather because Ugrasena was at that time the crowned king of the Yadu dynasty. Jarasandha, the king of Magadha, besieged the city of Mathura not only once, but seventeen times in the same way, equipped 
with the same number of military phalanxes. Each and every time he was defeated and all his soldiers were killed by Krishna. And each time he had to return home, disappointed. Each time the princely order of the Yadu dynasty arrested Jarasandha in the same way and again released him in an insulting manner. And each time Jarasandha shamelessly returned home. While Jarasandha was attempting his 18th attack, a Yavana king somewhere to the south of Mathura became attracted by the opulence of the Yadu dynasty and also attacked the city. It is said that the king of the Yavanas, known as Kalayavana, was induced to attack by Narada. <laughs> this story is narrated in the Vishnu Purana. Once, Gargamuni, the priest of the Yadu dynasty, was taunted by his brother-in-law. When the kings of the Yadu dynasty heard the taunt, they laughed at him, and Gargamuni became angry at the Yadu kings. He decided that he would produce someone who would be very fearful to the Yadu dynasty. So he pleased Lord Shiva and received from him the benediction of a king. He begot this son, Kaliyavana, and the wife of the Yavana king. The Kaliyavana, this Kaliyavana, inquired from Narada, who were the most powerful kings in the world? Narada informed him that the Yadus were the most powerful. Thus informed, Kaliyavana attacked the city of Mathura at the same time that Jarasandha tried to attack it, attack it for the 18th time. Kaliyavana was very eager to declare war on a king of the world who would be a suitable combatant for him. But he had not found any. However, being informed about Mathura by Narada, he thought it wise to attack this city with 30 million Yavana soldiers. My God! When Mathura was thus besieged, Lord Sri Krishna began to consider, in consultation with Baladeva, how much the Yadu dynasty was in distress, being threatened by the attacks of two formidable enemies. Jarasandha and Kaliyavana. Time was growing short. Kaliyavana was already besieging Mathura from all sides and it was expected that the next day, that the day after next, Jarasandha would also come equipped with the same number of divisions of soldiers as in his previous 17 attempts. Krishna was certain that Jarasandha would take advantage of the opportunity to capture Mathura, when it was also being besieged by Kaliyavana. He therefore thought it wise to take precautionary measures for defending against an attack upon Mathura from two strategic points. If both Krishna and Balarama were engaged in fighting with Kaliyavana at once, at one place, Jarasandha might come at another to attack the whole Yadu family and take his revenge. Jarasandha was very powerful and having been defeated 17 times, he might vengefully 
kill the members of the Arud family or arrest them and take them to his kingdom. Krishna therefore decided to construct a formidable fort where no two-legged animal, either man or demon, could enter. He decided to keep his relatives uh, so that he would then he decided to keep his rel relatives there so that they would then be free to fight the enemy. It appears that formerly so when it says there it means Dwarka. He decided to keep his relatives there so that he would then be free to fight the enemy. It appears that formerly Dwarka was also a part of the kingdom of Mathura. In Srimad Bhagavatam, it is stated that Krishna constructed the fort in the midst of the sea. Remnants of the fort Krishna constructed still exist in the Bay of Dwarka. Krishna, first of all, constructed a very strong wall covering 96 square miles. <laughs> and the wall itself was within the sea. It was certainly wonderful and was planned and constructed by Vishwakarma. No ordinary architect should construct such a fort within the sea. But an architect like Vishwakarma, who is considered to be the engineer among the demigods, can execute such wonderful craftsmanship anywhere in the universe. If huge planets <coughs> If huge planets can float in weightlessness in outer space by the arrangement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, surely the architectural construction of a fort covering 96 square miles within the sea was not very wonderful. It is stated in Srimad Bhagavatam that this new, well-constructed city developed within the sea had regular planned roads, streets and lanes. There were also well-planned parks and gardens filled with plants known as kalpavrikshas or desire trees. These desire trees are not like ordinary trees of the material world. The desire trees are found in the spiritual world. By Krishna's supreme will, everything is possible. So such desire trees were planted in Dwarka, the city constructed by Krishna. The city was also filled with many palaces and gopuras or big gates. These gopuras are still found in some of the larger temples. They are very high and constructed with fine artistic skill. Such palaces and gates held golden water pots, kalashas. These water pots on the gates or on the palaces are considered auspicious signs. Amongst all the palaces were skyscrapers. <clears throat> in each and every house there were underground rooms containing big golden and silver pots for stocking grain. And there were many golden water pots within the rooms. The bedrooms were all bedecked with jewels, and the floors were mosaic pavements of marakata jewels. And the Vishnu deity 
worshipped by the descendants of Yadu, was installed in each house in the city. The residential quarters were so arranged that the different castes, Brahmanas, Chatras, Vaishas and Shudras, had their respective quarters. It appears from this that the caste system mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita existed even at that time. In the center of the city was a residence made specifically for King, for King Ugrasena. This was the most dazzling of all the houses. When the demigod Indra saw that Krishna was constructing a particular city of his choice, he sent the celebrated Parijata tree of the heavenly planets to be planted in the new city. And he also sent a paramilitary house, a par parliamentary house, Sudharma. The special quality of this assembly house was that anyone participating in a meeting within it would overcome the influence of invalidity due to old age. The demigod Varuna presented a horse which was all white except for black ears and which could run at the speed of the mind. Kuvera, the treasurer of the demigods, presented the art of attaining the eight perfectional stages of material opulence. In this way, all the demigods began to present their respective gifts according to their different capacities. There are 33 million demigods, each entrusted with a particular department of universal management. All the demigods took the opportunity of the Supreme Personality of Godhead's constructing a city of his own choice to present their respective gifts, making the city of Dwarka unique within the universe. This proves that while there are undoubtedly innumerable demigods, none of them is independent of Krishna. As stated in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna is the Supreme Master and all others are his servants. So all the demigods took the opportunity to render service to Krishna when he was personally present within this universe. This example should be followed by all, especially those who are Krishna conscious, for they should serve Krishna by their respective abilities. When the new city was fully constructed, According to plan, Krishna transferred all the inhabitants of Mathura and installed Sri Balarama as the city father. After this, he consulted with Balarama and being garlanded with lotus flowers but carrying no weapons, he came out of the city to meet Kaliavana who had already surrounded Mathura. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 50th chapter of Krishna. Krishna erects the Dwarka fort. All glories to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. All glories to the unlimited capacity of Krishna to fight demons and to construct palaces and to create situations that are the envy of all the demigods. Hare Krishna. Eighteen times, well, seventeen times, the eighteenth, Jarasandha didn't quite <clears throat> arrive now yet. 
Jiva Goswami says, if you actually don't accept fully, without doubt, Krishna to be capable of doing anything, full stop, no limitations, then you can't understand God. So these are not stories. These are historical events. And they happen just as they're described here. Other, all, otherwise, the greatest scholars and acharyas of the world would not repeat them with full faith. Okay, we'll stop there. It's exactly 8 o'clock on the dot by Krishna's arrangement. So if there's any um, points that stood out in your mind, please tell us. Give us your reflections and your and discussions. Krishna. Rati Manjari says Jai Guru Maharaj. Rati Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. From Gopakanya. Hare Krishna Gopakanya Devidasi. She says Hare Krishna dear Maharaj and all friends. The source of ecstatic the Krishna Katha. Ah. Jai Srila Prabhupada and your unalloyed service of daily reading of Srila Prabhupada's books. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. From Vilas Manjari. Mm. She says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, best way to start my day hearing your readings of Srila Prabhupada's books. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Well, I guess there's a benefit then of, of us being in these different continents. You can start your day. <laughs> Hare Krishna. This is from Brian Phillips. Oh, Hare Bone, Bhakti Brian. We, we, you sent something just as we were as we were closing down last night. I'm sorry I didn't answer it. But go ahead, Hare Krishna. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai, all glories to Prabhupada. It's so good to see you looking so well and healthy. Hearing you read the Krishna book is so blissful. Thank you so much. You enrich so many lives through your service and the pledge you've made. Hare Krishna, well thank you so much. You know, everybody needs encouragement. And from you, coming from you, it's greatly encouraging. Thank you so much. From uh, Madana Daha. Madana Daha, Hare Krishna. I owe you a letter. It's it's in my. Uh, it started already. Hare Krishna. He says, Jai Guru Dev, please accept my humble obeisances. Hearing Krishna's magnificence fills me with joy to chant his glorious names. Hare The correct mentality and response to this hearing. Thank you so much. And uh, from Raja Lakshmi. Hare Krishna, Mom. 
It says Haribo Dwarka's opulence is unimaginable. Mm. How can one be proud of one's possessions processions after hearing this description? Yes, absolutely. Then the more we hear about Krishna, the more we understand who we are in relationship to Krishna. And this breeds real humility. Yes. And that when when that humility becomes completely mature, it's called dainya, utter humility. And with that, we achieve pure love of God, Krishna Prema. From Daityari Haridas. Daityari Haridas. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances and all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Haribo, Haribo. I guess you have to give it to Jarasandha for his determination to keep trying even if he was trying to do the wrong thing. It would be great to be able to be that determined to serve Krishna without getting disheartened by the setbacks of life. <laughs> well, Prabhupada once said that we should be as attached to serving Krishna as the demons are attached to sense gratification. So, in that sense, it's true. It's an analogous uh, example but you know what can I say? Animals are also very persistent. <laughs> if they, anyway, Hare Krishna. But but we can learn from everyone and everything. That's true. So we should be as determined, yes, in our Krishna consciousness. This from Ananda Murti Devidasi. He says, Jaguru Maharaj and all assembled devotees, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you so much for every day reading the Krishna book. All glories to the transcendental pastime of the Lord Sri Krishna and Balaram to establish Dwarka Dham. Hari Bo, Hari Krishna. A comment from Vilas Manjari. Hare Krishna, Vilas Manjari. She says, I love the way this chapter ends after this wonderful description of Krishna's opulence in creating Dwarka and in defeating Jarasandha 17 times. He walks out of Mathura to meet Kaliyavana wearing a lotus flower garland and no weapons. <laughs> Such a nice picture of Krishna's opulence <laughs> and power. <laughs> yes. Supreme opulence. And, uh, from Bhakta Rupa. Haribo Bhakta Rupa. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances or glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Haribo. Krishna seems to have begun a whole different flavor of fun here. I used to play so many video games and Krishna is playing different two genres here starting off with some battle strategy fun and then moving on to city building <laughs> I used to love playing both kinds of games and this reminded me of them apologies for being a video game nerd <laughs> anyway dovetail your attachments I guess yes it's true Krishna's adventures are the source of all other adventures 
you know, his opulence is the source of all our opulence. So anything that's happening uh, has a relationship with Krishna. But when we're Krishna conscious, we can see it. But when we can see it, then we lose our attachment for the mundane, which is very good that you've come to Krishna consciousness and given up your nerdy nature of doing video games. Thank you for that. You're doing something so much more important now. Imagine mm-hmm. how much time we wasted, huh? Before we came to join this movement. Oof. It's almost intolerable to think about. Rati Manjari. Haribo, Rati. She says, Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Some of the images of tonight's reading were pretty ghastly. <laughs> the hairs of these soldiers appearing like seaweed in the river of blood. So gruesome. Imagining the scene for a second, it made me realize that Krishna is the topmost in everything, including horror. Yeah, ghastly. It's a ghastly rasa. In relationship to Krishna, it's ghastly rasa. It's, it's properly applied in that situation. So all the secondary rasas, if they're properly applied in the spiritual you know, service of Krishna, then they're, then they're okay. But when they're misapplied, then they become very distasteful. So the devotee can see this scene and see its beauty, you know, as Krishna, you know, rather than going out to Jarasandha's kingdom and wasting so much time, he just sat there and waited for him to bring them back and he (laughs) annihilated one army after another after another. This is just the beginning of his, you know, relieving the, the burden of the earth says, I was laughing a little by the determination of stubborn Jarasandha, who, in his anger, was unconsciously serving the desire of the Lord to vanquish the demons from this earth. Exactly. By serving the Lord, phalanx after phalanx of demons. Exactly. And Krishna and Balaram slashing them. Yeah, saving Krishna some trouble. That's right. And then remember, later on, Krishna and Arjun and Bhima, they go alone, dressed as Brahmanas and challenge him to a fight <laughs> and still he wouldn't fight with Krishna because he was still thinking that because, we'll read yet yeah, tomorrow we'll read how what Jarasan thought about how Krishna ran off from the battlefield anyway we'll hear about this tomorrow Hare Krishna Jai Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Ki Jai. Samaveda Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bo. Well, come back tomorrow night, please, and bring everyone you can with you. And please tell your friends and also do yourself uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books so that we can eventually change over from uh, Facebook to YouTube. See you tomorrow night for more of the same transcendental ecstasy that keeps getting better 
just when you think it can't get any better, it gets better. Hare Krishna.